It's the fucking Kingdom Hearts of movies. It's it kind of is, yeah. Flies in the face of both God and logic. <laughs> that is a definite way to define Kingdom Hearts, and it is not wrong. All right. Let's okay, about this. let's go. Let's talk about this film that isn't Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I'm sure these characters will appear in Kingdom Hearts eventually. I mean, they're basically there. All right. <laughs> Clap. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the most Gen Z hipstery film i think it's possible at least in the horror genre something that'll immediately make you hate every character and somehow also find yourself rooting for them at the same time it's bodies 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 i am your host jeremy whitley and with me tonight i have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites first they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf sexy vampire binary my co-host ben Kahn. ben how are you tonight Oh, bodies, bodies, bodies. A movie that asks, can we make cat fight mud wrestling progressive? Yeah, it does. It, it asks that, I feel like. The answer may surprise you. Somehow that movie's still ending with two girls wrestling in mud. Have we gone so progressive we circled back to misogynist? Mm. That's... It's a great question. That is I feel like the movie kind of touches on that in a way. Yeah. We'll, we'll get yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. For more on that, we go to the cinnamon roll of Cenobites. Our co-host Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm pretty impressed that this movie can be Twitter and Among Us at the same time. <laughs> this is the most Gen Z. <laughs> Absolutely. And our our guest tonight, writer, editor, and friend of the podcast, Joe Corallo. Joe, good to have you. Thanks for having me back for this movie. That at times I wasn't sure if it was embracing or making fun of some of these things that we're going to be talking about, but I, you know, we're going to get into it. I feel like the answer to those questions is consistently yes. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, Correct. it is yes. embracing. <laughs> yes, it is making fun of. There is no real differentiation oh, yes. between the two. Yeah. So I was able to figure out the ending of this movie pretty quickly, mostly because of Michael Bay. <laughs> because mm-hmm. the absolute contempt that this movie had for every one of its characters was something I had only ever seen before in the Michael Bay filmography. And once I thought, well, who would Michael Bay make the killer? Michael Bay would have there be no killer and they're all just fucking selfish, dumb idiots. And that ended up being completely accurate. I would like to remind you folks at home, this is a film that has been brought to you by A24. So the fact that we're using Michael Bay logic is, I'm certain, intended as 100% meta. Well, like, it has that A24 stamp. It is directed by a woman and written by two women. It is directed by Helena Regin, who is, uh, this is her second film. The other one is Instinct, which is about a psychologist that falls in love with a sexual predator. <laughs> and it's written by right. Sarah Sarah DeLapp and uh, Kristen Rupenian. Uh, this is both of their debut writing projects. So they are all like coming at this pretty fresh. And honestly, I 
I think most of the characters that actually matter in this movie are the female characters. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we have oh, Amanda yeah. Stenberg, we have Maria Bakalova, Mahala um, Harold, we have uh, Rachel Sennett, Chase Sweet Wonders, and then we have Pete Davidson, Lee Pace, and Connor O'Malley, who all, for various reasons, are not in this nearly as much as the other characters. Yes. I do want to caveat my Michael Bay point, just so there's clarity. I'm not talking like, Transformers Revenge of the Fall in Michael Bay. I mean, like, pain and gain Michael Bay. I, I figured that's what you meant. Yeah. This movie yeah. has a, yes. a surprising amount in common with pain and gain of, like, yes. of, you know, yeah. of characters that are so far, so deeply up their own ass that they don't actually <laughs> know what's going on in the movie they're in. You do have the common theme of these characters' self-conceptions of themselves that they are so mindlessly pursued to their own ruin. What's what's really fascinating to me in the context that we're doing this movie in Pride Month is that this is coming three weeks after we talked about they, them, or they slash them, which is the polar opposite of this movie in every way. And that that is like a movie that is a terrible slasher. It feels like it's all made by a bunch of straight people trying to like tell queer people how good they are. And this is clearly made by a bunch of queer people that are like, no, we suck. Like, yeah. like yes. we're all yes. awful. And this yes. is why, and this is how. And everything feels, I, I think, what doesn't work yes. for this about, like, my brother watched this movie and hated it. And I think part of that is, like... He's wrong. This movie fucking rules. <laughs> well, like, if you don't know these movie. people in your life, it feels like to a lot of people that this just sounds like Twitter. But, like... This sounds like those people that have picked up the way they talk and think about the world from Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, yeah. like all of the above. Like these are it, real people and these are real people who exist on Twitter and don't have anything else going on. And also we're constantly out of drugs. So there's a lot going on here. And again, I love this movie. I think this is a really good movie on all fronts. I do think your enjoyment might be largely dependent on how much on how intimately you understand Twitter brain. Yeah. I really am looking forward to deep diving into this movie because I think it has good things to say. I really thought Pete Davidson was significantly older uh, than the rest of the cast, but then I looked it up and no. I mean, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, he's been on the news for years because of things he's been up to. It's taken a visible wear on him. <laughs> what is he up to? Yeah. I don't know anything about dating this guy. everybody. Oh well, he didn't uh, feels like he's just playing himself in this movie. Like, yeah, as opposed to his new TV show where he is literally playing himself. And that said, I'm really looking forward to it. I really enjoy Pete Davidson. I think his stand up's hilarious, and I think he was really good in this movie. He kind of reminds me of a Seth Green, like a '90s Seth Green, in that way. Okay. If Seth Green just had. So much more self-loathing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Like that's the thing about Pete Davidson in this movie is that once again we have an actor who is fully aware of qualities that are completely contemptible, 
and is willing to portray that. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I was a little surprised that we actually got Pete Davidson in this movie as long as we did. I was kind of like, I'm surprised that he's still here or alive. I thought it was going to be even shorter. Yeah, you're right. I thought it was going to be like when Kit Harington would show up in movies while Game of Thrones was still filming and it'd be like, we had him for like, we were able to get like 12 minutes of Kit Harington, just enough to make it seem like he's going to be in the movie in the trailers. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that Pete Davidson does a great job. Oh, yeah. He is such a disaster and he's so hilarious. And I'm like, Sophie, why is this your best friend? (laughs) No, that no, that made sense. Sophie and Pete Davidson as like baby gay and dirtbag self-destructo boy growing up as like punk kids in fucking beyond rich suburb town. Yeah, no, that checked out 100%. That would have even been like an interesting coming of age movie. They definitely dated (laughs) several of the same girls at various points. You know, that that feels like 100%. Honda. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these people, like none of them should be friends they're all horrible for each other and you know we find that out pretty uh pretty much throughout the whole movie that uh none of them should have been in each other's lives there's the reason i don't keep in touch with anyone i grew up with in connecticut someone you grew up with in connecticut is going to be listening to this right now and it's gonna have a little little tear coming down yeah that's why they probably should know what they did if it's this bad (laughs) I mean, that no, that this whole idea of this friend group that is so awful to each other, but stays together out of just like proximity, inertia, and not knowing anything else. Yeah. Very real. Very yeah. Real. And Emily, Jeremy, like fucking don't act like you weren't finding like annoying podcast girls' arguments very sympathetic. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I found myself being like, well, hold out. She's not wrong about the, the how much work a podcast is. Oh, yeah, no. A podcast is a lot of work. And, you know, <laughs> Which there's... maybe makes me that gal. But, yeah, let's be honest. I'm definitely that gal. There's so many lines in this movie that, like, people said. And when they said them, I was like, God, that's the fucking worst. Also, yeah. I kind of agree. Yeah. It's like someone who's making an argument on Twitter, but they're using so much jargon that you're like, okay, I I agree with what you mean, but I just like listening to you. I feel like my body melting very slowly. Yeah. I could picture the same words coming out of my mouth and I would immediately roll my eyes at myself. I would be like, yeah. oh, I can't believe I said that. One of the first bits in the movie for me that that really stood out that I'm remembering right now is when Pete Davidson's just going off about like gaslighting and stuff like that and how it's an overused term. And it was one of those things where it's like, yes, it is overused, but I don't like how you're saying. And, and then he like keeps going and goes really far into yeah. this like whole thing. And he like really goes over the top with it where it was like, you're wrong in this instance, but th- there's a version of this where, yes, it's like, okay, this is what this movie's doing. All right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> How about when Pete Davidson just fucking punches Lee Pace in the face? Yes. Yeah, by the time this movie starts, David, Pete Davidson's character is named David, and it's really, it's really frustrating. <laughs> He's already been punched in the face. He will be heretofore and continued to be referred to as Pete Davidson. <laughs> Yeah, even though it's like 17 more syllables. If like it was anything else, I'd be fine. But his name being David drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, I realize how bad it is that I've mostly been talking about the men in this movie, but also it's fucking Pete Davidson and Lee Pace and there's so much to talk about. Yes. Like Lee Pace calling the game werewolf. That was the most generational mismatch of the yeah, life. And it the is, it's werewolf. Yeah. yeah, it is werewolf yeah. for sure. Yeah. It is absolutely werewolf. And I'm sure they're all like, it's what's werewolf? But nobody in this movie said sus. <laughs> Jeremy is now rolling his eyes. My 12-year-old got into Among Us at one point, and between her and my six-year-old for, like, a solid six months, everything was sus. That was the only the only phrase anybody used to describe anything. That in itself is sus. Right? That is that is the definition of sus. Yes. Yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about what actually happens in this movie. Yeah, let's, let's recap this. <laughs> so yeah. We... We open with Sophie, Amanda Sandberg's character, and B, Maria Bakalova's character, intensely making out an extreme close-up. This camera holds on them making out for a long time. This movie is extremely gay from literally the first frame. Yeah. Did yeah. I mention that I love this movie? Yeah, it's it's daring you to just sit there and watch. It's like, you're such a creep. Keep watching. Keep watching, you creep. Why are we so close on this scene? I, it makes me so uncomfortable. That's why. If we would just pull it back bubble. a little bit, it would be fine. <laughs> Sophie and B have, uh, we find out later, been dating for about six weeks at this point. Sophie is part of this rich clique of kids that all sort of went to school together, that all know each other, uh, that all have tons of money. And B is very much not. B works at... <laughs> for legal reasons, not GameStop, but definitely implied GameStop. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is the the reason that they're coming up late to this party. When they arrive at the party, it's also clear that nobody knew that Sophie was coming or that she was bringing her girlfriend. We meet their group of friends. We are at David, played by Pete Davidson's house. Dave is, uh, well, he's Pete Davidson with more money somehow. Um, he's a real... <laughs> He's a real shitbag. He's horrible, really mean to Lee Pace's character in particular and uh, and the girl that he is dating. Him being mean to the girlfriend is terrible. Him being mean to Lee Pace is delightful. It's really <laughs> fucking funny. I would desperately watch a movie that's just like a himbo and Pete Davidson just hating the shit out of this himbo for 90 minutes. <laughs> Himbos can't hate. No, that the himbo doesn't hate Pete Davidson. It's like Pete Davidson hates this guy in the way everybody else hates Pete Davidson. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, oh yeah. This guy doesn't hate Pete Davidson, but Pete Davidson hates the shit out of it, like this golden retriever of a man. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Greg is a predator, though. So Lee Pace is there. His uh, his character's name is That's Greg. Discrimination is... against people with Kobacks and knives. <laughs> <laughs> he is obviously older Fine. than everybody else, and he is dating. Uh, Alice, I believe is her name, uh, Rachel yes. Sennett's character. Alice is... Connecticut as fuck. Just a pile of, like, weirdness and insecurities. She is uh, she is a walking, talking Twitter account. She also, she is the one with a podcast. The concept of her podcast, as she puts it, is that you, you hang out with your smartest friend for an hour. We also learn over the course of the thing that everybody Oof. either... Ooh. intentionally or privately secretly hates this podcast <laughs> with the possible exception of chloe or of sophie who says it's good 
beyond that, it's hard to tell. There's also Jordan. Well, does Sophie think it's good? Or just, as you said, just let her have this. Yeah. Sophie will tell Jordan, who uh, is next up, clearly from moment one, even though they don't say it until like an hour and a half into the movie, is clearly Sophie's ex. They have an animosity between the two of them and a one-way animosity between her and B that B is trying desperately to do something about, but there is no way to stop Jordan from hating. Jordan is also referred to at various points by, by other characters as a spreadsheet with legs and is very, like, clearly the one competent person in the group, but also has decided to use that as a weapon against everybody else in any conversation. Yeah, she's a competent, but is also a grade-A hater. Yeah. Oh, my God. She she got a standing ticket to the player haters ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, we also have Emma, who is uh, dating David, but we find out later that their friend Max is in love with her. Max is seemingly the nerdy type. We don't get to know Max very well because apparently he confessed his love to Emma before we get there. And uh, I guess... David gave him shit about it, so he gave David a black eye and left, taking the only vehicle with him, which will be plot important. The only other vehicle there is uh, Sophie's car, which she drove up with B. And that's the whole cast of this movie. There are eight well, people. Well, in this well, movie no, don't forget the most yeah. important thing about Emma. She's an actress, a thing they will mention about eight times and will never be relevant to the plot. <laughs> Seeing Connor O'Malley there. I only could think of the I think you should leave sketch where he's the honk if you're horny guy that keeps following the car. I was just like, that's the honk if you're horny guy. Uh, A lot of these actors, even though they're all fairly young, have been in like fairly memorable stuff like Maria Bakalova is in Borat 2. And And uh, is amazing in Borat 2. Yeah. Bless her. So fucking funny. Her B character is really the only one the movie doesn't have just absolute contempt for. Wasn't she just in Guardians 3 as the space dog? She was. She was, yeah. and she's also been cast in uh, Creature Commandos. So. Oh, nice. I did not realize she was She was the voice of the goodest dog, Cosmo the space dog. Yeah. I still need to see Guardians 3 because I've decided to do a whole guardians franchise rewatch before going to see it i enjoyed it good. yeah I, i'm I excited i re- i was reminded how good those first two guardians movies are the christmas are special is really surprisingly good. plot important too yeah uh, oh shit really yeah the the christmas special which is on disney plus is is will be referenced several times in Guardians right. 3, well, surprisingly. Well, yeah. well, Drax and Mantis there gave me one of my favorite storytelling tropes, which is two dumbasses sharing one brain cell. Beautiful. And that's a yeah. comedic duo that I am always here for. I miss them already. Yeah. Getting back to Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, we discovered that this party that they're putting on at, at David's house is a hurricane party. Uh, they're all going to come get really drunk in the middle of a hurricane at uh, Dave's house and do whatever. That sounds awesome. Is this a thing? Like, oh, I yeah. live on the West Coast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It is absolutely okay. a thing. Not a thing yeah. that is advisable in your, if you're in a place like this where you're like, your road might get washed out. Yeah. It's iffy as to whether one ever should do this, but it is definitely a thing. Well, this particular oh, group of people, like, it might as well have been a hurricane where it rained red flags. Because yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. 
And they're absolutely like from go drunk and high with the exception of Sophie who is sober and B who is not drinking seemingly because they're with Sophie, uh, which is the only class move that anybody will make in this movie. <laughs> they take so many shots in this movie. Yeah. How? These girls are 110 pounds soaking wet, downing drink after drink. I guess the cocaine's keeping them fueled. Yeah, it's it's yeah. cocaine and rich people endurance. They've just drank enough expensive liquor. Like I can have three drinks and I'm I'm out. Like I'm done for the night. Well, they're doing uppers and downers like fucking like they're on a trampoline. I do love trampolines. Yeah, so before very long, we're all out of the pool and inside the house, and there's a hurricane going on outside. They decide to play. They they call it Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's Werewolf. <laughs> werewolf if you're nasty. Uh, or Among <laughs> Us if you don't have real friends and just play it on the internet. <laughs> it's, you have real friends on the internet? Sure. Okay, if you don't have physical in-person friends, you just have internet friends. It's yeah. the same concept. Just with uh, actually touching people to, you know, murder them. They kill Greg. Yeah, Greg is the quote-unquote victim. Yes. David is being so pissy and mean to Greg and everybody else that they decide to vote him as uh, the bad guy, even though he's pretty clearly not, and they're going to murder him. At which point he breaks a bottle against the wall and wanders off. It sucks. This game sucks. <laughs> yeah. He he throws a, a rich kid raid, uh, rage and wanders off. Everybody else continues with their game until the uh, the lights really do go out and everybody kind of freaks out. They're trying to find some lights and find their way around. B has to use the bathroom, so uh, she goes downstairs away from everybody else who is all sort of broken up and gone in different directions to try and turn the power back on or do various other things, just like in Among Us. As she is wandering down towards the bathroom, David comes slamming against the outside glass wall of the room that she's in, his throat cut. At the same time, Sophie comes up behind her and they, you know, both see this and they they go to check on him and everybody else comes out and starts screaming and making a big thing of it. And uh, David dies there in front of them. Immediately, everybody is suspicious of everybody else. They don't know what's going on. Greg, who, you know, had died in the game, has now disappeared. Nobody knows where he's at. And he is the, the first suspect to what has happened here uh shortly thereafter jordan who has gone out to uh check on turning on the generator comes back having found the sword that belongs to david's father that uh greg used to saber open the uh champagne earlier and it's covered in david's blood so they all assume that greg has done it <laughs> they go to look in greg's room he's not there they do find his pack with his go bag and his uh, knife and various other things that one might take if they were actually going camping as compared to spending the night in somebody's very big mansion. This man does not have a car. Greg does not drive. That is my head cannon, and I know it. Almost certainly. <laughs> he might have he might have a DUI scooter, depending on what state he lives in. He lives in a yurt at his cousin's house. <laughs> uh, they find Greg asleep in the gym he has his headphones in listening to white noise and he is sleeping with his light mask on because he has uh some issues with seasonal it's depressive disorder or something seasonal affected depressive disorder it's a thing yeah people get it oh no absolutely i don't know if those masks are a thing though i've never seen the masks before i do know that yeah. i do know the condition is a real thing 
So they are they're cornering him, asking him about this. To anybody that's watching this, not in the movie, it's clear that he is he does not know what's going on. He thinks they're all fucking with him when he uh, when they tell him that uh, that David is dead. He's he's confused that at first they're talking about the game. You know, still doesn't know what's going on because everybody is refusing to actually tell him what's happening, like you do in horror movies. Sees that you know Jordan has his knife and is sort of threatening him with it. He very easily gets it back from her. And he makes the mistake of waving it at Sophie as Sophie tries to get it from him. And B is fucking ride or die and smashes this dude over the head with a with a fucking weight. It bloodies him and he has the, the bad sense to get up and go for it again and gets his head completely smashed in. Now everybody is suddenly not so sure about the fact that, that Greg has killed somebody. Everybody really wants to uh, throw that blame around, especially to B, who did the actual killing, but did not do any of the inciting. Things get a little wild. Everybody is sort of mistrusting of each other, both really and also trying to, like, push blame for these uh, these deaths onto each other. Meanwhile, Sophie has completely uh, fallen off the wagon and has started, doing, started drinking and doing coke and everything else and is, is sort of caught by emma doing all of this uh emma doesn't so much care because emma is pretty fucked up about dave and greg being dead <laughs> so sophie does what any good friend would do in this situation and decides to give her a lot of pills and then wander off and, and leave her to go do wrong? other <laughs> to go do other drugs well don't forget about emma's weird tabula rasa i will conform to whatever she thinks another person's desires are and post-death comes on to Sophie? Oh, yeah, 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 that was... To use the word of the day, super sus, it's real weird, and then the next we see she's just falling downstairs and is dead. Yeah, she is, uh, unfortunately, Alice, who is the least well-prepared for literally anything, literally falls over Emma's dead body at the bottom of the stairs as she has died and left a trail of blood all over the stairs they are trying to figure out who has killed emma everybody is blaming each other suddenly both alice and jordan are teaming up on b and sophie is suddenly the worst person in this movie because sophie is not about to come to b's aid sophie is high and uh just doing whatever her friends say and allows them to straight up throw her girlfriend outside into a hurricane yeah without doing anything about it that scene made me so mad like i had such a flip on sophie over like five minutes in this movie that i went from being like sophie is the best character in this group to like i fucking hate sophie sophie's the worst i mean sophie being part of that sophie kept pissing me off the longer she kept going not realizing like no, this relationship is over this relationship does not survive this night you have not been together for at least four scenes by now. <laughs> How have you not figured that out? Drugs. Okay, you know what? Yeah, yeah, that would explain it. I mean, drugs can make people feel crazy things. I once felt like I was the Lord of Christmas. Interesting. <laughs> I knocked an ornament off a tree, and then I put it back on, which made me master of Christmas. Okay, we'll unpack that later. You unseated Jesus. <laughs> yes. So, uh... I attacked and dethroned God. <laughs> You're an anime. Over the course of the rest of this movie, 
it is very clear that like Sophie is slowly sobering up and is terrified with how things have gone. Oh, great writing and great acting and a oh, like a horrible thing to watch at the course of this because she is literally just let you know her girlfriend be thrown out into this hurricane uh, where there's theoretically somebody around trying to kill them. So she is running around trying to find a way in and sees Jordan going through a uh, drawer in the kitchen uh, where she sees her take out a gun. And now B knows that she has to do something about this because, you know, her her people are in danger. So she ends up revisiting the dog door that we have seen earlier in the movie and crawling her way in through the dog door. Don't forget where B went to the car, the vehicle that is not no longer functional because she left the light on in it and finds the underwear that matches the bra. Yeah. Also, we get our Cheetos product placement. The cleanest Cheeto consumption I've ever seen. Yeah. Man, what does that even look like? Cheeto dust on blood stains? Cheeto dust on lipstick on blood stains. Because this is after she has her like panic attack and throws up on her shirt and then like goes upstairs in sort of a fugue state and like grabs a random sweater and puts on makeup because, you know, she's having a nervous breakdown because there's a murder happening. And she may have some drugs because she had some of that weed cake that looked like the best cake I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, we are skipping a lot of things here because there's a lot of this movie that isn't plot. There's a lot of like dialogue that really is the plot that informs how people get to the the weird decisions and, and choices that they make. Yeah. I did scope over the fact that they do go out to the one remaining car, which is Sophie's car, and that the battery is dead. It is unclear whether it is dead because somebody has killed it or it is dead because B left the uh, light on the mirror on. But B does make the mistake of fessing up to that one, uh, which will lead everybody later on to be like, you did this thing and you did it on purpose. So things continue to go sideways. B goes in to confront Jordan about this. It comes out that Jordan and Sophie have (laughs) previously fucked. We already kind of knew, but have actively been texting back and forth and have had a a meetup previous to uh, them coming to this place, which is how Jordan's underwear ended up in Sophie's Jeep. And everything is going even worse. There's a big fight between Jordan and Alice because Alice finds out that Jordan doesn't like her podcast, which they mentioned so that they could play these two against each other because they're the only ones that are actually united at this point. B confronts Jordan about having a gun. Jordan empties her pockets. Clearly, she doesn't have a gun. But it is revealed that she was the killer in the game. And somebody has thrown out the theory, I think Alice threw out the theory, that people were dying in the same order that they died in the game. And that whoever was the killer must really be the real killer. No, they didn't. That wasn't the order at all. Which was completely wrong. Yeah, Yeah, it's the same people. Just... In a completely different order and way. That was really the moment where I knew, oh, there's no killer. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. They're Tucker and Dailing it without a Tucker and Dale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, like, B is just fighting for survival. Sophie is going along with whatever anybody else says. And Alice is just, like, as usual, swaying to whatever side is being argued. Finally, like, Jordan has had it because now they're saying that she's the killer because she was the killer in the game. So she goes and gets the gun that she has hidden in the couch pillow and starts waving it around. There's a fight over the gun. Alice gets shot in the fight and dies. They continue to fight over the gun back and forth for a while. Jordan has Sophie at at gunpoint and they're sort of like 
walking back up the stairs because Sophie won't, you know, stay still and behave the way she's supposed to. And as they're doing this, B runs sort of the other direction through the house and sneaks up on Jordan and they fight over the gun and B gets it. And then Jordan tries to come after her for it again. And B flips her over the balcony onto the floor below, onto the trash below, where Jordan finally proclaims with her last breath, check her texts. B is is done with Sophie at this point and tries to walk out. And Sophie keeps like trying to follow her and be convinced that they're uh, still together. And finally, B is like, not until I, you know, see your texts and look through all this stuff. B, it seems, is also convinced that Sophie is the killer at this point because Sophie has lied to her about all these other things. Uh, they're fighting over Sophie's phone. They wrestle and trip and fall and wrestle some more in the mud, wrestle their way into the pool and back out of the pool. And finally, B gets the phone and opens it. And it's not actually Sophie's phone. It's just a phone that was left lying there by the side of the pool and got covered in mud. It turns out it's David's phone. And they watch David's final recording that he made, I'm assuming on TikTok, but not TikTok for legal reasons, where he is practicing sabering this bottle so that he can do what Greg did and then starts playing with the sword and accidentally cuts his own throat. Uh, therefore murdering himself and causing the rest of the movie. And at the same point, Max, who several people have convinced, is the one that's actually doing the killing because he wandered off early in the movie with the only other car, returns and is like, what the fuck is going on? And that's the end of the film. Well, they get the power and the signal back. Yes, the power and the signal both come back. And B's phone is blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck is we- texting B? Yeah, Probably it is determined, mom. obviously, that the, the power outage was just a power outage. Nobody caused it. Nobody did anything nefarious. And yes, the only person that actually gets murdered in this movie it, with intention is Greg. David cuts his own throat. The power actually goes out in the storm. B kills Greg in self-defense. Ammo fell down the stairs, high on pills, all on her own. We get a confession from uh, Sophie about in the, the late game there. Uh, Alice got shot wrestling for the gun. Jordan, you know, fell down the stairs after attacking B. Jordan did yeah. not fall down. Well, she got Jordan thrown was down the stairs. Thrown because... off the railing. Not just like that. Thrown off a railing. Off a mezzanine. Down. Yeah. 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 The car battery absolutely did die because they left the light on inside of it. Yeah, they show her leaving the light on in the beginning. There was nothing nefarious and there was no killer in this movie. Uh, they just all hated each other so much that it barely took anything for them to all kill each other. I, I will call bullshit on that phone working after spending hours in Hurricane Mud. I was going to say, like, that's one hell of a phone. To, Otterbox. Uh, yeah, right. We are not sponsored by Otterbox. Otterbox would do it, man. The video reveal of how Pete Davidson died was so fucking good. I love that. Ending. Like, his outfit, the dancing, the music him hitting himself with it i was dying i was laughing so hard i loved it i did something that i rarely do while watching movies i was watching this alone by myself during the day and when that video played and he literally cut his own throat i went no like and just like pounded the table in front of me i was like no i can't believe that it's all just that stupid and that like 
that's perfect for this movie for me. And it yes, that's what like, I understand Michael... why other people hate this movie, but oh, like, it's perfect. Yeah. Yep. No, that's yeah. that's the perfect ending for a movie with this much just dripping hate for its own characters. This is a very nihilistic movie, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is, like these are so like media engrossed characters that like one of them dies and the power goes out and they assume that they're in a slasher movie. That's what yeah. happens in this movie. And, and not yeah. that they're in a hurricane yeah. in a forested area. Yeah, they're in a hurricane in the middle of nowhere, sure. But there's there's other things that are going on that are that like a charcuterie board of bad ideas as well as the charcuterie board and Cheerios that they have. Oh man, now I want class. charcuterie. I want charcuterie and Cheerios. That's like... They got that shit Cheer set. That's what I call it. But for real, though, they're all on drugs. They're barely keeping it together sober. Yeah, you know, the flags abound. We got older guy, like, creeping on younger girl. We got annoying podcast lady. We, we got, got addiction issues. Yeah. We got Pete Davidson. Like, yeah. there are red flags abound. Yeah, we got and, a you know. confession of repressed love from a you know male friend to a longtime female friend that has already caused drama. There's already tension because they've all done shrooms. Yeah, and we didn't even mention that Jordan, or not Jordan, but that uh, that no, nobody knew Sophie was coming. Sophie is still in the group text, but has been oh. away from the group for some time, and Sophie just like decided to roll in with her girlfriend. Yeah. If you want to play the bodies, bodies, bodies drinking game, drink every time they mention the group text. That's another thing is that the bodies, bodies, bodies game comes with a drinking element where everybody does shots and slaps each other. So there's already like this pretext for animosity. Like they basically are like, we're going to make each other super mad. And then we're going to pretend that one of us killed the other ones. And then we're going to pick each other apart. To see who we think is, is like evil enough to be lying. Spoilers, it's everybody. It's also implied that that's how the game ends every time they play it. Yeah, yeah, like with half of them just furious and the other half crying. I mean, the fact that but they have already killed each other in this way is there's some bonds of friendship there because otherwise they'd already be dead. Is that where the bars? Well, I guess I. Not wanting to actively kill someone. I guess we're friends. Well, there's something that resonates here for me. You know, when we talk about these small groups of friends and we talk about the depiction of these, like, disaster gays. And there's definitely, like, what's the term? Relatability? Well, there's the relatability, but there's also, like, uh, familiarity breeds contempt, right? From the people who are telling the story about these disaster gays that they have known. There's a lot of, I'm putting my ex-girlfriend in this yeah. movie because she's sucked and I want everyone to know she's sucked. Yeah, and there's a lot of experience there. But I think also it speaks to this becoming ever-present problem within these groups, even progressive groups, like relatively progressive, but they were still shitty to each other. And I think it comes from, there's like an imposter syndrome that's in there and also like, the idea that this is your community and you have to deal with it no matter how fucking toxic it, it is, which is, you know, fallacious. There's also an element that that's just kind of how social interactions are in Connecticut. <laughs> I didn't know this was in Connecticut, was it? I, it just feels very Connecticut. 
Connecticut rarely gets hurricanes, but it's got very Connecticut vibes. If it weren't for the hurricane, I feel like it could easily be California. Like yeah. this could be LA. Well, yeah. this is this Especially is LA with, with movie LA weather. This is some either Southern California or explicitly Berkeley area. Oh no, my friend. Listen, Greg's that's a thing. That's what I'm saying. Is it you know, Greg may have maybe Lee Pace and he may have all of the personality of a uh, of a golden retriever in this movie. He's still a predator because of the context. I have known so many Sonoma County Gregs. I'm not Greg's definitely from Sonoma. No, yeah. Greg's definitely hitchhiked his way from California. He's, he's on that couch surfing app. I think I went to college with Greg. I mean, Greg uh, could be further northwest than that, but he's definitely yeah. like, he's got a Northern California, Pacific Northwest vibe. Yeah. yeah. These queer characters that probably don't really have the resources to remove themselves from the situation. I think that the characters are a lot more deliberately hateable and are a lot less about like, we're a close knit queer group because we have each other and that's all we've really had. And rather this movie is like, we're a close knit group, but we're also fucking disasters. And you know, the money, the, the status is a part of that. And so there's performative allyship going on as a part yeah. of like the comparative merits that they're foisting yeah. on each other. They just feel very believable to me as this very toxic clique. It is really entirely about look at this group be so fucking toxic that they just completely destroy themselves through their own stupidity selfishness and destructiveness towards each other well you even have that line i, I forget who it is that sophie's talking about when sophie and b are like walking through you know david's house and you know she's like you know b's sort of like you know like wow and, and sophie's like so-and-so's house is even bigger like it's like that kind of it was jordan yeah. was telling her that yeah and it was jordan, jordan, jordan was talking yeah. about how sophie's house is bigger Jordan's you get like, enough yeah, backstory through these like dramatic conversations to realize every one of the people in this friend group is talking shit about every other yeah. friend group. Oh my God. To yeah. all the other friend groups. Like they all hate each other. I yeah. think the like favorite delivery of anything in this movie for me was when like Jordan has been going on and on about how vapid and stupid Alice is. And Alice is like, you're so in love with your rags to riches story. Your parents are upper middle class. Like the way she just delivers that is like, that's the biggest insult. And the way it hits Jordan is like, how dare you? (laughs) How dare you imply that my parents are upper middle class? They're university professors. I thought she was going to shoot Alice on the spot for that. She almost did. Really wanted to give a shout out to Alice's actress, uh, Rachel Sennott, who I think really did an amazing job. I mean, we talk about the character being annoying and I like it, but like that is very much the character. The performance is wonderful and so much fun to watch. Everybody is just eating up the the opportunity. The cast is great. Absolutely horrible. It's great. Everybody in this cast is doing an awesome job. Doesn't Jordan like straight up shoot Alice in the leg? Yeah, she shoots Alice yes. in the leg yes. for being yeah, for being an right. asshole. And then, um. and then we get this incredible exchange of just Alice yelling at Jordan, Jordan being like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Jordan just straight up refusing. <laughs> you actually shot me. Shot There's so much pain in my leg. You actually shot me. The like the oh, whole bit where they're like great. wrestling over the gun and like and 
Alice keeps complaining that people are lying on her leg, like as they're wrestling for this gun. She just keeps going, ow, my leg, get off. <laughs> she must be on so much cocaine if she can walk and like charge somebody while being shot in the leg. Adrenaline is a hell of a drug in it addition really to all of the other drugs that are a hell of a drug inside her system. This isn't what shrooms are supposed to do. They're just supposed to make you master of Christmas. Well, the, the, the shrooms were the night before, which sounded like a relatively chill time until, you know, the dudes started being toxically masculine to like a definition, like Oxford Dictionary toxic masculinity definition. Like, I've seen competing chickens act better towards each other. <laughs> I've seen cocks fight with more diplomacy oh. than these two dudes. I do wish the movie had given us a little more of what they were implying with Emma's weird, almost like Patrick Bateman level sociopath of just only existing as a reflection of what she thinks another person's desires are. Yeah, like, it's I'll such a w weird fascinating disturbing direction and i wish they'd done a little more of it there's so died. many just exchanges in this movie that are just like beautifully done they're not like things i've really seen in a movie but they feel so much like these conversations and like one of them is just this exchange between greg and david where like they've they've been talking and greg is like well you know the best defense is a good offense and it's meant yes! as like, he's being <laughs> yes! to David. And David's like, what does that mean? And Greg is like, well, it's the best defense is a good offense. And David's like, yeah, but what does that fucking mean to you? Like, what are you trying to say? And it's unclear whether like Greg just doesn't know or Greg is like suddenly too intimidated by him to like actually say what he's what he's feeling about it. Yeah, and it's it's funny because like, I love it's that sort of scene. That quip is sort of like an embodiment of the way that like all of these characters interact with each other is like instead of defending themselves for shit that they have done, they're just like, yeah, but you fucking suck for this reason. Like they just uh, yeah. keep attacking each other as a way of defending themselves I, in a way that I thought you know was interesting. What? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that exchange is the movie. I think that is every one of these characters. All of their strategies is the best defense is a good offense and none of them know what that actually means. Yeah. When they're embodying it the whole time, you know, yeah. Pete Davidson just pushing it. Like that's what I'm saying. Like they're both so good in what time they have, like, like Lee Pace just being this kind of like dumb off weirdo and fucking Pete Davidson just delivering platinum tier hatred. Pete Davidson's <laughs> hate feeds my soul especially like this version of pete davidson who's already got a black guy who is just so like doesn't fit in his own clothes he's just so like dumb looking he's just like and he's got... trying to define himself by looking like he's the guy he's the kind of guy who fucks like yeah. that's what he's, he says that to sophie he's like i'm just i just want to be seen the vibe as somebody I who fucks. Give Here's the thing, though. That is the actual vibe Pete Davidson gives off in real life, and it works. I mean... The amount of people I've legit seen be fucking rabid for this guy or general dirtbag aesthetics like him. I get it now because I've been 
fucking poisoned by Twitter brain. I also want to mention real quick here, I've never actually seen a cockfight. I've just seen chickens be like into themselves. That's it. Emily being like, your questions about whether I've seen poultry murder each other is answered by my I've never seen poultry murder each other t-shirt. Yes, of course. Uh, anyway. Joe, what what were some of your thoughts on like the movie or any moments that really stood out to you? The murders that stood out? Or just moments. Moments, sorry. I said yeah, well, moments. No, no, you're fine. I mean, but, those um, moments I... could be murder. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the murder moments yeah. definitely stood out for me. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of those little bits where they were, you know, talking and, it, well, it felt like, I, I don't know if, if other people felt this way, but for whatever reason, like, in, early on when they're playing the game, you know, before things really go off the rails, like, there was just, like, an energy in the movie where, like, it almost felt like it was, like, a big house party where there were a lot of people. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if, like, there were, but as soon as, it, it, you know, Pete Davidson's dead, it feels like there's less energy there like it feels like it really sucks the energy out and you really feel the isolation which i i think was done very well you know they they do a good job with you know keeping it dark and and everything like that from there but the way they go about it i i think they do like it's hard it's kind of hard to do because the movie has to be both over the top with everything going on their reactions to things because they're supposed to have you know they're these are internet brained people mm-hmm. but the movie somehow also doesn't come out and just tell you that oh this is all more or less a, a commentary on this idea of people who get who are chronically online and and, and fall into this take themselves too seriously and I mean, we are literally later in the movie at a point where people are fighting over a gun and, and are willing to murder each other because of what could potentially happen if someone sees the text messages of another person. Mm-hmm. And like, and the movie, it's both not subtle at all. I mean, it's like subtle as a brick, but also. It kind of is subtle because the movie never takes that moment to have a character be like, boy, we sure did take things really far when it would have, you know, we could have avoided all of this if we just took a step back and breathe. You you know, so it's like it's it rides this fine line. It worked for me, but I could easily see someone being like it it didn't work for kind of the same reasons I'm I'm outlying, which is. Some of the stuff that we were kind of talking about earlier of this, the reasons that you might love it are also some of the reasons I could see someone hating it. Yeah, the the fact that it doesn't actually, like, make a definite statement. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you really, like, if you take a moment and step back, it's pretty clear. But, like, the, the exchanges do make it a bit confusing in the messaging. And I think that's on purpose. I think it's supposed to be about, like Ben said, like these people obsessed with an idea that they have to defend themselves with a good offense. And that's just Twitter. It's always happened. It's happened before Twitter. It's just, you know, people have, it's been exacerbated with certain people because of Twitter, you know, and also even like being honest like everyone's being very defensive but even when they are trying to be honest they're still like it it is it is seen as weakness so there's like real 
uh, solution other than just disengaging, which, you know, isn't an option for them. So they end up taking it to the nth degree, AKA killing yeah. each other in that way. It's kind of smart commentary. And it's also like, I think there is something to be said about the voyeuristic nature of watching all this go down and, you know, yeah. living with Twitter. And this speaks a little bit more to the idea of horror as something that speaks to, to a little bit darker side of somebody in in this case there's a lot of fluff that's taken out that would be otherwise like like horror movie tropes mm. and it's just pure being shitty and on drugs like there is no reason injected in here i i think yeah. it's an incredibly tight slasher despite the fact that it's not actually yeah. a slasher like there is yeah. no slashing going on it's like yeah. by by the time you get to the end of the movie there's a reason for everything that happened. There's no like magical realism of how did this get here and how did that get here. It's like everything that actually happened like makes sense. It's all explained. It all like is all there. The explanation is vapid and mundane in a way that like makes absolute sense for these characters. Totally. And, yeah. And it's that's like dumb, that's the brilliance of it is how how yeah. dumb it is and how much that works for me. It's the exact yeah. right level of dumb to make perfect sense for these characters. And it's so right that something that all it would take is something as dumb as that to have all of them dead or nearly all of them dead. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I love that the ending is so like abrupt when it comes to that. It's like, yeah. The moment Perfect. that they figure out what's happened and you know that they also have a witness. Like, you have Max coming back to see what has happened. Um, it's like, well, this can't end well for anybody. Like, yeah. especially not B, who has actually killed two people in this movie. Like, B is the best person out of everybody there. They're also the only person who's, like, guilty of actual, like, you know, it's self-defense second degree murder but like they very much did kill both greg and and jordan look don't worry i'm sure our justice system will be very fair and understanding to the working class immigrant (laughs) 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 i made a depressing truth funny by pointing out how depressing it is I mean, it works. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just want y'all to feel a little bad. Sorry. Uh, nah, don't be sorry. I feel like feel this bad. is kind of like a classic, progressively horrified, like, come around the other side. Because it's like, is this movie feminist? Yes, all the women in it are horrible. Of course it's feminist. Like, you know, they're yeah. just like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like real characters. They're real people. And they really suck. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. Every everybody in this movie sucks. Oh, this movie's definitely feminist. It's gay as hell. It's gay out the gate and consistently throughout. Yeah. Oh, very gay. It's diverse and not in a race blind way. Yeah. yeah. It's very aware of its intersection of race and class and the dynamics of friendship between race, especially when you have people this fucking rich and privileged and Twitter brained. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's also as honest about these people despite their race. You know, there's no championing of anybody here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like 
Alice kind of said what we would have to say about mental illness. And this, like this movie straight up says like ableist and discusses like borderline personality disorder. Like this movie is definitely aware of mental health. Kind of going back to some of the stuff we were alluding to earlier, it kind of plays it both ways. And you could make that argument like it goes all the way around to the point where it's like, is it progressive or, or stuff like that? And and I think that's a great point what you, you just brought up, because there are multiple moments where those things are brought up, like ableism, like body dysmorphia, these other things. But a lot of times when it's brought up, it's in a very glib and very dismissive way and it's totally magodily that body dysmorphia bit killed me like oh that was so funny where b is like explaining that her mom i don't know she said she's she has borderline and like that alice's reaction to that is like oh my gosh i also have mental health issues i have body dysmorphia and the jordan is just like Shut the fuck up. Like, just this is not about you for just like half a second. Could you just shut the fuck up? It's so like, well, the way that Alice also like says, like, mental health is a very important issue. Like, she's reading off of a fucking prompt, you know, that exchange in particular feels so much like Twitter of like, yeah, anytime that you're on Twitter and you're like, hey, this very serious thing is happening in my life, and somebody else is like, I also had a serious thing happen in my life at one point, you know, six years ago. And uh, it's it's like a completely unrelated thing. And you're just like, what the fuck? Just shut up. Like, what are you talking about right now? Or like your your problem is not as bad as my problem. You know, the dick measuring of of like comparing each other's problems and the legitimacy thereof, which is what a lot of people are afraid of when they're like worried about being honest about their situation. It's it really does like take a solid stab and a very important stab at like performative allyship, especially as they're like, I'm an ally, the way that that's delivered. Like that's where any question of where this movie stands was answered for me because these characters are such an embodiment of the kind of people that don't understand what is progress, what is empathy and what is like what is at the heart of these issues but they know that there are issues and they want to be on the right side of the argument at the end yeah yeah they just know that they've been told that this is a problem and they haven't like made any effort to listen to anybody unless they're you know the loudest person in the room which is often somebody who is performative who is a performative ally especially on twitter or not just Twitter. I mean, like, this is something that goes back to before Twitter. This goes to forums and all sorts of internet discourse. I mean, in real life, like... Yeah, for sure. There's yeah. plenty of this in real life. It's so wild to me because I think that's, like, this movie is one of the most, like, tonally consistent horror movies I've ever seen. That Like, beginning yeah. to end, Definitely. nothing about it is yeah. poorly thought out. All the needle drops are very, like, specific to the mood and feel of this movie even when it is, you know, daddy AF, uh, like it's all just so like right on for this group of people. And like, it's so, so pitch perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That song about daddy AF and all the lyrics about cunnilingus. This is Catherine Slater, by the way, daddy AF. Okay. Uh, Thank you. I like that stuff. Hello Kitty is probably my favorite song from, from Slater, but yeah. Yeah. They've, they've got a, a real, like, 
it's a murderer's row of sort of like modern semi sleazy like dirt bag rock and pop and rap you know you've got your charlie xcx and taiga and so many of the the things in this are are just like if you were to drop them in 90 percent of other movies i'd be like why why is this here but like azalea banks showing up in this movie is like oh yeah that makes sense it's it's so on point i feel like there's no doubt to me that i i would recommend this movie to people i think there's absolutely people that are not going to get it and not going to enjoy it. I I think it's so smart and it's so hateful. <laughs> like it's got <laughs> so much pent up rage in it. It's just like let out through how, how horrible these characters are to each other. It just yeah. feels so like experientially real. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a relatively new voice too. I mean, I think a lot of people who hate this movie probably, I mean, I don't want to be dismissive, but because it's it's about these new things and these new issues, you know, some people might be turned off by that because it's just not applicable. Yeah. And one of the things that is progressive about it is that it is now going beyond you should be cool and being like, okay, so there's a lot of people who are trying to be cool. And these are the problems that we're seeing, you know, like the same thing with like the centrist shit that, you know, people who are like, I think we should all get along. And, you know, and that's the same, same problem that was in a fucking day slash them, you know, this kind of naive morality that doesn't acknowledge the truth of like actual social interactions. Yeah, I, I do want to also acknowledge like from a zeitgeist point of view, the, this, so it was rewritten by Sarah DeLapp. But it was originally written by Kristen Rupinian, which if that name sounds familiar, it's because she wrote that short story, Cat Person, that the internet fell in love, hate with for a good like six months um, and, and could not talk about anything but that for a long time. I, I feel like it is consistent to that voice. Like I said, this is one of the first films that Helena Rajan has directed and I feel like looking through like conversations about it and everything, it feels like her fingerprints are very much on this. So much of what makes it it is very like purposeful for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I dig the hell out of this movie. And yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely recommend it. I don't think everybody's going to like it, but I do think they should watch it anyway. <laughs> I definitely recommend this movie, especially like, this is a movie that people really need to see if they spend a lot of time on Twitter. You know, if you find yourself being like, ha ha, those idiots, I'm so, so relatable, but ha, and then, you know, just take a look into that dark mirror. And I'm not talking about just people who use social media. I'm talking about the very specific, the people who are involved with these people, the people who are, you know, in this friend group that are like, oh, my friends are like this. Oh, remember, you you need to leave. I know it's hard. We think you, you know it's leave. hard. Yeah, I think you should leave. If you if you watch this movie and it reminds you of a of a community that you're a part of, think about that. This is our this is us giving you permission to run away. Yeah. You know, I think you should leave a, a great show and gonna be my recommendation. If you like bodies, <laughs> bodies, bodies, check out Coffin Floppers on Corn Cop TV. I did want to say, Ben. Uh, they do say on the IMDb that this uh, is at least filmed, if not set in Capaqua, New York. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that checks out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I guess any big storm on the East Coast is a hurricane because we get like Pacific depressions or something. I mean, I'm constantly in a Pacific depression. Hey! It, it doesn't happen like every year, like in certain parts of the country, yeah. but it yeah. does happen every few years. A lot of tropical storms. Yeah. A lot of times there's a hurricane that bounces up the coast. Yeah. 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 A lot of tropical storms. It usually doesn't. We usually don't get hit by a full on hurricane. Yeah. But, you know, I'll also say again, like, like, while I recommend this movie, if you are the type of person who cannot watch something with unlikable characters, and I've met multiple people who, who are like that. Yeah, they're valid. You're not going to have a good time. But if you're able to watch stuff where everyone's like unlikable, yes, like, like you, you'll like it. Yeah, you know what this movie, I, I was thinking of two movies that one you referenced earlier, B, was uh, Tucker Dale versus Evil. This movie definitely made me think of that. And I also thought of Burn After Reading. Huh, I haven't seen that one. It was, it's also is it, about is it unlikable that everyone's people. People are dumb, and that I know Brad Pitt's dumb in that movie. <laughs> is everyone's pretty dumb and comes up with bad plans and things end tragically because they're so stupid? That's kind of my favorite kind of movie. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> it's a real Coen Brothers vibe, this movie. Like, it's, it's like a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's like, this is like super queer Coen Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like Generation Z Cohen Brothers. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, that opens up a lot of recommendations. There you go. Yeah. I was actually going to recommend the comic works of Brian Leo Malley, especially like the Scott Pilgrim comics yeah. and his comic Seconds, which Scott Pilgrim is fun and the the movie's fun and the you know, it has its own issues and the um video game is definitely fun but i think what people forget to mention is that it is a condemnation of a bunch of idiots you know scott pilgrim is not cool yeah he's against the world uh you know that that and seconds and those also with characters that are dating below their age and being kind of morally reprehensible that way and it acknowledged as such you know scott pilgrim is also very much of its time scott pilgrim is a millennial story whereas this is the sequel yeah, scott, scott pilgrim very millennial yeah and so and seconds i love uh, seconds yeah yeah there's some more like magical realism in both of those but you know it's also drawn like parappa the rapper <laughs> yeah for me the the biggest things that i would recommend are actually movies we've already talked about so you know hopefully a lot of people will have seen but in a lot of ways, this feels a lot to me like the movies of Christopher Landon, like Happy Death Day and Freaky, uh, oh, which yeah, are yeah. also, especially yeah, in the case of I Happy Death Day, very much about bad people. <laughs> um, you know, in yes. Happy Death Day, she is sort of given the chance to be like, to get better. But again, it's like a, a horror movie about bad things happening to bad people and, you know, sort of gives you the chance to and that one root for them uh and this one by the end with the exception of b uh everybody else in this movie deserved their fate yes. so but uh yeah definitely check out both uh both happy death day and freaky if you haven't those are also like movies with a, a queer director that feel queer movies that are somehow gayer than they slash them without having a gay character in the lead <laughs> Yeah. I think that about does it for us uh, here. 
Uh, Joe, did you want to let people uh, know where they can find you and find out more about what you do online? Sure. People can find me on Twitter at uh, Joe Corallo. That's J-O-E-C-O-R-A-L-L-O. Or Instagram, and that's reverse. It's at Corallo Joe. And, uh, you know, I'm still writing and editing comics. Uh, you, you can pre-order the Dolly in the Dark uh, trade paperback from Mad Cave Studios will be out end of July, early August. And same thing with uh, the NeverEnding Party through Dark Horse end of July as well. Nice. Thank you. As for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter and at Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at BenTheCon and on their website at BenConComics.com. We can pick up all of their books, including pre-ordering L. Campbell Wins Their Weekend. And finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrom 58 on my website at jeremywhitley.com. And uh, you can buy The Dog Knight right now. And if you already have The Dog Knight and you want to pre-order something, uh, School for Extraterrestrial Girls, book two from me and Jamie Noguchi is now available for pre-order and will be out in November. So if, if you love me, you love Jamie, and if you read the first book, Go ahead and pre-order that because it's it's a coming. I just got the the finished proof of it today. So nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> go um, read Dog Night, y'all. Yeah, go read Dog Night. It's cute as fuck. It's got dogs and knights and dogs who are knights. Yes. Read it. Yes. Do read it. And of of course, the podcast is on on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, and on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod, where we'd love to hear from you. Speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love it if you'd rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. It helps new people find the podcast. Thank you again so much to Joe for joining us. This was a ball. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I I love doing this. Uh, Happy to be back. Love having you on. Thank you. It's nice to have some... uh, some ones we actually liked after uh, after talking about they slash them, which is uh, a grand disappointment. Oh God! Poor <laughs> uh, Kevin Bacon. I told my friend that Kevin Bacon was in this movie, and they're like, "Oh no!" Even as we were talking about it, it's like, is this the worst horror movie Kevin Bacon has ever been in? Because that is a real race to the bottom. Ooh. You know, because you got that, you got Hollow Man. I was gonna Freddy say 13. Hollow Man. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody is. Nobody is actively molested on screen by an invisible man in this movie, which is, I guess, a plus. It's a, it's a low bar, but it cleared it. <laughs> all right. And uh, thank you so much to all of you for listening. And until next time, stay horrified. <laughs>